Princess Rise for their Majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Rachel, I feel like we should channel Megan for our podcast. I know. I felt so just, I loved seeing her setup and everything. It felt her voice. I, I felt the familiarity. It's so soothing. This is this is the intro, Megan style. Hi, I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And this is Royally Obsessed. Did I nail it? You absolutely <laughs> nailed that. Like that was archetype version of our intro. Silkiest voice, just like Megan. Before we get into archetypes and the rest of the royal news, just a quick reminder to follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. You can also email us at info at gallerypodcasts.com. As always, we love five-star reviews. So if you are on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to tap the five stars. Leave us a review. We love hearing from you guys. There's an amazing one at the end of this episode. Rachel, besides archetypes, I mean, obviously, archetypes, archetypes, archetypes. Obviously, we're talking about that. But what else is on tap for today? I know. That was the mic drop of this week when that happened. It was like, okay, we're throwing out the rundown. We are changing everything. But we have a lot more beyond archetypes to discuss. We are talking about Lambrook School. This has been officially confirmed. The Cambridges, the children are going there. We also had Kate and the children. Why am I saying children? Kate and the kids spotted on a commercial flight this week. We've got Princess Margaret's birthday, Prince Harry in Africa, Lady Louise's university plans. This was kind of a delightful tidbit. So much more, Roberta. And to get through all that, we want to cheers. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. With a refreshing cocktail that is actually very apropos for this time of year because the U.S. Open starts Monday. And of course, Serena Williams was on Megan's podcast. The U.S. Open, we might see Megan there, which is really exciting. Also, Emma Raducanu, who was last year's reigning champ and has met Kate Middleton. So we're sipping the Honey Deuce. And aren't you going to a super cool tennis event this week? I am, and I'm so excited. It's this Friday. Stay tuned for all the Instagram stories. I'm hoping it'll be amazing. I can't wait to hear. It's with Rothy's, so another royally approved brand. Um, But the Honey Deuce, have you had one, Rachel? I've had one before. I have not had one, actually. You've been to the U.S. Open, I've never been to the U.S. Open. (gasps) I'm hoping to go this year to either see Serena or just literally get there to see anyone. I love tennis so much. I can't believe I've never been. I went once with – I mean, I've been a couple times, actually. I went once with Dave. These are $18 to buy, and it's just Grey Goose vodka. I guess not just, but it's vodka, fresh lemonade, raspberry liqueur, which is Chambord, and then those honeydew melon balls that look like tennis balls on the top. I mean, eighteen dollars is kind of a splurge, but you get to when keep the at plastic the U.S. Open, cup. right? Yeah, yeah, I have the U.S. Open cup, so it's kind of worth it. Feels um, worth it to me, Rachel. How's your weekend? I mean, it's great. I have to tell you that I just dropped Matt off at the airport this morning. That's not this weekend, but today, and I got to drive through Boston on my way back. And I just, I obviously lived there for many years, but I feel like. The earth shot energy. Like I could feel it. I think I just, I always feel energy when I'm in Boston, but I think I'm just so excited for December and it's going to be here so soon. And so anyways, but I'm in Massachusetts for the week is the TLDR. Is that what the kids say? Yeah, that's what the kids say. (laughs) (laughs) I never have used that in a sentence before, but how are you doing? 
I can't wait for Boston energy as we get closer. And I want to know the exact date. We need to plan, Rachel. I know. The date? Like, come on. We're Virgos. Like, we need this. Wait, you're not a Virgo. No, I'm a You're Libra. on the cusp. I knew this. Oh, my gosh. Um, right on the cusp. I feel like a Virgo sometimes. Yeah. We need the it for our calendars, for our yeah. planners. I've just been enjoying the last few weeks of summer, which, you know, we obviously said that where was archetypes? It's so, the su- the end of summer is almost here, and it's finally here. So we'll get into all that. But Ask first, and ye shall receive. Exactly. Also, we, Rachel, we were both on another podcast, which we have to shout out. It's called Stream On. It's about all the TV, movie, streaming news you could need. And we talked about the Princess documentary on HBO. If you haven't seen that yet, you should check it out. And check out our conversation with Phil and Rachel. It was really fun. Yes, absolutely. All right, now on to our listener emails. We got two incredible emails this week and so many listener notes. If we haven't read yours, we're getting to it, we promise. But please, please keep sending them in. We love hearing from you guys. Yes, we've gotten so many incredible notes. Please keep sending. It's amazing. We love getting them. This one's from Pauline in Nova Scotia. She says, I love listening to your podcast. Well done. I thought you might be interested in this book. It's written by a late family member with a strong connection to Lambrook. It's called The Lambrook Legacy by Isla Brownless. She sent us pics of the cover. It's gorgeous. She says, George, Charlotte, and Louis will be attending the school with a strong tradition of academic excellence and a sense of family and belonging. I've always loved the illustration on the cover painted to reflect a time when Lambrook was a school for boys. And then she writes, is it too early for a royal cocktail? And to <laughs> which we say, never. never. <laughs> Cheers. I, I feel Polly. like I've been up since 6 a.m. and I'm still ready to indulge. Ready to sip. Next up, the listener email is from Claudius. And we paraphrase this slightly. He says, I just listened to your fantastic podcast. I'm so excited about the Sussex's upcoming UK trip. As for the Sussexes and Prince Andrew's security situation, it's all down to the queen wanting Prince Andrew to have proper security protection. She could do the same for Harry and his family if she wanted to. It's been pretty evident for a long time that the Sussexes have been severely punished by his own family and the very royal establishment he was born into. I can't wait. I mean, that's such a um, interesting note. I do agree that her, you know, we've always heard Andrew's her favorite son, so it probably is the case that she wants to protect him as well. But I can't wait to hear everyone's reactions to archetypes. I yes, want it, everyone to, to leave us in. a review and please tell us what you think about archetypes. I was going to say we've been getting some DMs about it, but the row row community is very kind because they're very sensitive about spoilers. I felt like people reached out, but they didn't. They gave everyone some space to listen. So anyways, we should maybe preface that here that we may have some spoilers. <laughs> oh, we'll have some light spoilers for sure. And every week for the next 12 weeks. Like, how are we not? <gasps> how are we going to? Co- oh, my gosh. That's that's right. Intense. Yeah. But let's let's sink in while yeah, we talk about royal history. That's so exciting. <laughs> All right, This Week in Royal History. And now, This Week in Royal History. Quick shout out, Princess Margaret was born on August 21st, 1930, so it would have been her birthday this week. I still really love that the Cambridges are moving into what is considered the former grace and favor abode of Peter Townsend, which meant that they lease, he was able to lease it from the Queen rent-free, but so happy it would have been Margaret's birthday. Um, another 
piece of royal history we did want to mention this week is that on August 31st, 1989, flashing back, Princess Anne and Mark Phillips formally announced their separation. They were married 16 years, and the divorce speculation had been high for a time that whenever they were not together very often, but when they were pictured together, they seemed incredibly unhappy. But something I didn't know, Roberta, and I'm curious because you are such a Timothy Lawrence fan, (laughs) um, (laughs) did you know the history of sort of their relationship where apparently the separation announcement came just a handful of months after letters from Timothy, the Queen's 34-year-old equerry, were delivered to the Sun tabloid anonymously in 1989. The contents of the letters actually weren't revealed by the Sun. They passed them along to Scotland Yard, who proceeded on this massive investigation. They fingerprinted over 500 people, and they still could not figure out who basically spilled that tea to a tabloid that there was a romantic relationship going on between Anne and Timothy. Apparently, the only things that were revealed about the letters at the time were that they were of extremely personal and intimate nature and, quote, too hot to handle. Go, Anne. Timothy, naughty boy. <laughs> um, anyways, the letters were said to expedite. They they had apparently already been talking about getting separated for some time, but they really expedited the official proclamation of their separation. And then Anne officially stepped out with Timothy in 1992 at a big ball. And people at the time really remarked that it was the first time she looked truly happy in years and years and years. They made that extra emphasis on and years and years and years. And then Anne got divorced and remarried that very same year. She was remarried to Timothy by the end of 1992. And has been ever since. And has happily ever after for Anne right now. And I think it just kind of going back in time and looking at this, you know, we just need more Anne content. I think she had that, we had a glimpse that made a lot of headlines of her in The Princess. Obviously, we loved the early years that were featured in The Crown. I feel like it would make a good spinoff. What do you think? Yeah, I think I'm interested to know more because I think that clip especially was one where she seemed so cold and distant about Diana. And I, but I do think in the crown, like I always thought of her as such like a girl power figure. So I'm, I'm curious. I mean, she is one of the hardest, if not the hardest working senior royal. So yeah, um, I just want to know more about her sort of early years, her personal life, all that. I think it would make a good spinoff. For archetypes, Rachel, I am sorry to report that we should probably give up podcasting at this point because (laughs) Megan has absolutely blown us out of the water. No, I mean, it is incredible. I think it's just an opportunity for a crossover. Maybe she'll come on and do something with us at some point. Probably not. Uh, But the dream. We can dream. dream. Well, let's talk about where we were because yesterday – I got out of a workout class to a flurry of texts and a press release email from you and (laughs) all the archetype news. And it was amazing, incredible, because I think we were at the very last moment of what we thought when it could come out. Exactly. We were talking about it, I think, on Monday, just wondering where it was. I was eating breakfast with Finn, and I opened my laptop actually to order some new drawing paper for him on Amazon at the ripe hour of 7.30 a.m. and saw the ping that it was out. And I was like, I just completely was like, I got to (laughs) go. Got to go. And upstairs (laughs) to work. I had to sit on a park bench after walking home from my workout class and like really fully digest like all the messages and all the Instagrams and everything. So 
It's been two years since that big Spotify announcement that the Sussexes were partnering with the platform. And so this is a long time coming. And I think late summer, I mean, she really is cutting it close. It's also, I'd like to note, the first day, it came out the first day of Virgo season, which Rachel, our lovely Virgo, whose birthday is <laughs> coming September up 3rd. so quickly. I know, the big four zero. Wow. I was going to say next week. It's next. It's two weeks. Well, it's Labor Day weekend, the Saturday of yes. Labor Day weekend, very soon. It is next week. It is. Yeah. I'm in denial. It's also, like we mentioned at the top of the episode, almost the U.S. Open. So the timing for this episode with Serena couldn't be more perfect. It has to come out now. Yeah. It had to come out now. And I think Megan has historically done a lot of August things. There's British Vogue Forces for Change was released actually August 2nd, even though it was the September issue. It's also obviously Megan's birthday. So it's when she did 40 for 40. Finding Freedom was released in August. Seems to be their season. So I want to get into the episode first, but there was a few things that came with it. So there was that teaser video from Spotify where she's wearing this anthropology top, pussy bow, but it's undone. Wait, can I interrupt you really quickly about the anthropology top? Because yeah. Is it officially anthropology? Because oh, if it sorry, is, it's a very, very good lookalike. I guess I should say, but the, but it has to be it. like, did she modify it? Because I actually feel like I might just buy it right now, <laughs> the anthropology one. <laughs> I like, I like, love your credit card. No, yeah, I'm like yeah. ready. It's in my cart, and I'm like scared it's going to sell out. But I think it hasn't sold out yet because people are on the fence if that's the exact exact one. But it's the ultimate royal dupe, right? Oh, totally. It has. To, I think she maybe got the buttons done. Yeah, like, did she tailor it to like, or maybe it's vintage? You know. I don't know. But well, it's let's too play the close clip of a from replica. the teaser. Sorry. Let's play the clip from Tangent. the teaser video. People should expect the real me in this and probably the me that they've never gotten to know. Certainly not in the past few years um, where everything is through the lens of the media as opposed to, hey, it's me. I'm just excited to be myself and talk and be unfiltered. And yeah, it's fun. I love saying that and hearing that because I think you and I talk about this a lot, Rachel, where we don't often hear quotes from themselves from them and so this is so much information coming straight from her mouth and i think that's where the value lies we also got a trailer a landing page on archwell which is beautiful it has this green branding with the black and white photo of her her hair's a little messy we'll get into that but episode one i mean just kicking it off with serena williams who just announced that she was evolving away from tennis and so is on this huge um you know this you know, pinnacle of her career, basically. There's also a professor from UC Berkeley, Dr. Laura Cray, who joins to talk about the gender biases around the word ambition. But we open with something that's super familiar to royal fans, and that is this Procter & Gamble commercial. And we get Megan's perspective on what went down. And she says it wasn't a moment of triumph per se, but an awakening for her, that this was where she realized she could actually create real change in the world. And so I think that was really important to hear what she thought about that moment because we've all discussed it. Royal biographers have discussed this at length, I think. Well, I think that was when I really kind of was like, okay. I I was trying to multitask because it was a busy day yesterday and I figured I would listen to it more than once and I put it on in the background and I heard that story and I stopped and I was like, nope, can't multitask during this because – With Megan starting off talking about that Procter & Gamble, we've heard that story so many times, but she really is, as part of her interview series, going to be taking control of the narrative back, you know? And I think that that's the intimacy that podcasting also affords. It's her voice. And so I think it really, you know, we're going to potentially hear some tea, but also, you know, just getting to hear it in her own words is really compelling. And the intimacy without the visuals, which makes it 
that much more, I think, personal because a lot of times we, you know, we love paying attention to what they're wearing or what they're doing or what they look like, but that's not what's important here. It's her lived experiences. And so I think that is a major part of why podcasting for Megan is so perfect for her. But there's also so many amazing parts to it. You should definitely listen if you haven't already. I feel like most of you probably have who are listening right now. But Harry popping in and then making fun of his accent, that was amazing. I know. I was like, Megan is so funny. There were so many moments. We have that clip. Let me play it. Okay, play it. Hi. You want to come say hi? Look, she just popped in. Hello. 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 (laughs) How you doing? Good. How are you? I like what you've done with your hair. That's a great vibe. Thank you. Good to see you as always. I miss you guys. Well, come and see us. I will. I'll make a plan. Have fun. Thanks, my love. I mean, can we be invited? (laughs) I know. But but it just, her humor came across so much in this episode. Even when her and Serena were going back and forth about Serena accidentally said thousands of years ago, and then Megan was like, millions and millions of years ago. Like, it just, there was a real genuine sense of humor throughout. Yeah, totally. And they they talk about how fearlessness fades as we grow older, how as young girls we all were so fearless and then that kind of fades as you as you grow to become an adult. There was also that part where they played clips of male tennis players freaking out and contrasting that to Serena and the time that she basically her game got thrown because of what she said to the umpire. I don't know what it's called in tennis. <laughs> The line watcher. I play and I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) She said, I got a game taken away from me and I didn't even use a bad word at all. And that was really funny because I think she said something like, oh, I love you, Andy, like Andy Roddick. Um, There's also, I mean, the biggest revelation I think everyone's talking about is the Archie in South Africa incident where his nursery caught on fire. I think especially this stands out to me because we know from Finding Freedom they had a really awful experience with their first nanny. There was a night nurse, and they won't say what happened, but they say that something really awful happened, and Mm -hmm. they had to fire her right away. They must have been so traumatized. And then to come and see that a weird freak accident happens, you know, one of the first days they're in South Africa, and then they have to go on another engagement. I think that was a huge reveal for Megan. and I'm. I'm just wondering, like, I want to discuss this with you. I mean, do we think that there'll be more about palace life? Will this be all these reveals about what was going on behind the scenes? I don't know. I mean, I think for sure, and if not overt reveals, there were so many moments throughout the podcast where we were talking about Serena, but we were very much talking about Megan. I think what jumped out the most to me, and this might be odd, was that story about the nuns at Immaculate Heart, where she was talking about sort of them going off and wanting to change and infuse a bit of modernity into their experience and their you know, at the school and the Cardinal of the Archdiocese was like, nope, you can't change anything. And they wouldn't have the conversations. And she talks about how the nuns had to make a choice. They renounced their vows so that they could live their lives authentically. And she goes on and you can listen to the whole thing. But, but I think I felt like I wasn't, I was listening to a story about the nuns in Immaculate Heart, but I was listening to a story about Harry and Meghan and the British monarchy. Right. So that's what I expect, I guess, is just, there'll be, oh, you know, literal tea, but then there'll be that kind of, you can connect the dots here. Exactly. So I want to play, that's perfect segue. Thank you, Rachel, teeing (laughs) me up. Because Serena's talking about her retirement from tennis. We all know she announced it in the September issue of Vogue, and they're talking about evolving away. And Megan says this. I think both of us, or the three of us, really know that sometimes the right decision 
isn't the easiest decision. It's a hard it's a decision. Hard decision yeah. And it takes a lot of yeah. thought and a lot of counsel and a lot of support to just go, uh, 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 and yeah. then just make the choice. She also says another part, sometimes it's harder to let go of something than to keep going. And that to me feels more like how it was leaving palace life, leaving royal life behind. I can't wait for next week, Mariah Carey, which I I think is just going to be so, so much different because we know that they don't know each other, that Megan even says at the end of the episode that she's never met her before. And And I love the teaser with the la, la, la. Like, I thought that was really creative, but I agree. I think, you know, what I felt was most fascinating listening is that oftentimes, I mean, the pandemic definitely changed this with the royals, but for the most part, and people have commented on this, the royals often feel like silent film stars. Mm. And I think there's just, when you add their voice to the equation, you know, it's it felt quite validating to feel that maybe the way I have envisioned Megan to be, I'm hearing through the microphone as well, and she becomes so multidimensional, where we, it's not just a picture. And then you remove the picture and you hear just her voice, and her voice is measuring up to the standards I've set. Does that make sense? It's just... Yeah. I mean, I think that like underscores the point of who is better to do something like this than Megan. I mean, before Royal Life, she was a content queen. Like she knows content better than anyone. And, you know, who knows what Diana would have done if she were still alive and here in the age of social media and And podcasts and all that. (laughs) But I don't see even Diana or Kate doing something like this, but this is so uniquely Megan. She comes from content background. She knows what sounds good. She was also an actress. She can make things sound really good. I know. Where were her ums? Is that the producer? Because (laughs) it's something we we always ding ourselves on. Like what? Stop saying um, because it's just this natural as you're formulating thoughts, but there was none of that. But I think that's just also her training, which she is lucky to have in her back pocket for something like this. And because she's one of the most, I think she's also so perfect for something discussing labels because she, as we all know, was one of the most trolled people of Mm -hmm. the past few years. She also has had to contend with labels, not only privately, but I think people lobbing labels in public and through tabloid discourse and social media comments. I mean, the comments on some of the the posts that I was seeing just like they're they're proving her point more and more the names they call her that it's just it's so um it's so relevant to the person that she is and what she's lived through lived through and I think that it'll be really interesting to see so like I mentioned Mimi and MM I mean the crossover you can't beat it. it I actually realized that Mariah Carey wrote a memoir last year, and it's called The Meaning of Mariah. And she talks about Lady Diana, and we know next week, obviously, is the 25th anniversary of Princess Diana's death. Mariah Carey writes, I once had a brief but unforgettable moment with Lady Di when our eyes locked at a Vogue party. She was in a stunning sapphire-colored gown, neck dripping the same blue gems, and she had that look, the dull terror of never being left alone burning behind her eyes. We were both like cornered animals in couture. I completely recognized and identified with her. We shared that understanding of how it felt always being surrounded by people, all of whom might be trying to hurt you, but all of whom are trying to do something. They all want something. I didn't know she would be caught and killed shortly after our encounter. I mean, it's fascinating. And as I wonder if they'll even touch on the anniversary because the episode does come out obviously Tuesday, the anniversary is Wednesday. Will Megan work these kinds of 
bigger topics in the the context of when the episode comes out, I think is interesting. And I mean, we have 12 weeks of hearing Megan in our ears for an hour. And that is so exciting to me. Like, I think that we've said it before, you know, she just has a voice that's made for the radio. And it's, it really is so wonderful to have her in her ear, in our ears. And one last thing I did want to mention is I feel whenever I've watched Harry do some of the better up stuff, I kind of have this moment or when he went on the Dax Shepard podcast, Armchair Expert, I think there's this moment where, yes, I'm listening as a royal fan, but then it transcends. And Megan's conversations about ambition were really relevant and topical for us. I'm sure that you felt that and, you know, kind of had some personal reactions to that. And I think that that's really exciting and kind of speaks to maybe what's ahead from the Sussexes. I actually... I thought about you listening to the podcast when I was listening and about how you would have reacted if you knew that there was a fire in Finn's room and then you had to go back to work right away. Like what would your reaction would be? It's honestly, it's like really horrible that she had to do that. And I think it kind of shines a light still that there's a lot to be done as far as the palace's HR policies Mm -hmm. as far as treating their workers, which the senior working royals are, you know, the principals are those workers. So what's been done to change that? I think that this will still continue just like echoes of the Oprah interview. Like, are are they doing anything behind the scenes to fix these things that are really wrong? Are these, I mean, are Will and Kate feeling being forced into engagements when something like this happens? I feel like they're allowed to kind of say, oh, Uh, You know, not often, but they are allowed to say we have some family matters we must deal with privately. So it's interesting. And these are the transparencies that make it so engaging and interesting because it allows us to see ourselves and relate in a way that we couldn't before. As far as other future guests, including Mariah, there will also supposedly be Mindy Kaling, Margaret Cho, Robin Thede. I thought I heard Jane Fonda in the trailer, but maybe I'm (gasps) wrong. Also, Z-Way, who is an amazing comedian. So... We have a lot, a lot to look forward to. Are we going to have to devote this much time every week? I mean, gladly, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm curious. We'll, we'll have to see, but it is really exciting to have this set schedule of, of content that we can look forward to. And yeah. it segues into their UK trip. There's just so much. I mean, and we've got a lot coming up from the Cambridges as well. So yeah. it's the royal season. The break is over. <laughs> and it, it really, I mean... Harry's not even home right now. He this podcast happened All while this he's in happened Africa. While Harry was away. My gosh, let's t- talk about that. Yeah, so he left LA on August 14th and he has been to Mozambique, Rwanda. It's in his official role as president of African Parks. He took a delegation over there. He met with Paul Kagame, who's the Rwandan president. This is a pretty long trip for him and also such a surprise that he just popped up in Africa. You sent me the Twitter last week of that picture of him with a ball cap and polo shirt on. And so, I mean, good for him. He's able to do these things without anyone really knowing or talking about it before. And so there's not that like, you know, he can he can kind of do what he wants. And I, I'm happy for him in that regard. And now we should move on to the case. Well, I was just going to say, I, I, I do. No, no, no. Roberta, this has been a delay. I could talk about this with you, obviously, for hours. I was just going to say, but is this the hybrid life that they envisioned? I mean, obviously, it's not in a formal capacity, but they are still doing the service and on their own terms. So that's a question you don't have to answer. We can move on. But anyways. <laughs> The 
Cambridges. They are also back in the mix of everything. I mean, everyone was so, um, you know, off the grid for a while. And I'm so happy we have official confirmation of what Roberta already knew. Has the school calendar printed out that they will be going to <laughs> Lambrook School. It's official. George, Charlotte, and Louis will start this fall. And that is on September 8th, according to that calendar. I wanted to share some unique details that I uncovered in my research about this, Roberta, that people are all saying, you know, it's 50000 a year for the three ki- kids to go. And like, that's kind of a high price tag, but that seems pretty appropriate to me if you're going to a private school. It's it's pricey. In fact, I think that this is lower than a lot of what I've seen in Manhattan and in Brooklyn. So really? Oh, my oh significantly lower. I mean, and they're not Rachel. paying the boarding fees. So pretty interesting there. Um, I thought it was cool to <laughs> questionable to see that school is on Saturdays at Lambrook. Did you see that? Oh, interesting. So six days a week. Yeah, that's that was my understanding because that's why parents really lean into that Friday night stayover is because then the kids are in school and so it allows parents to have kind of a built-in sitter on Friday nights and then they pick their kids after they're up after their classes on Saturday. That is um, crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's not that much actually to add the boarding. So I'm curious if the Cambridges will do that or just wait until the children are a little bit older. Also, I really like this because there's a lot of conversation about why the Cambridges chose Lambrook when they could have chosen Ludgrove or St. Andrews at Pangborn, which is where Kate went to um, to this preparatory school. But Lambrook is known for these values, which are kindness, courtesy, curiosity, and creativity. And this is a school that allows all three kids to be in the same place. And I think that that's the critical detail because obviously Ludgrove is boys only. Um, St. Andrews is 42 minutes away. So this allows William and Kate to do the school drop off. It's 12 minutes from Adelaide Cottage. I did Google map all of this. Um, And, you know, I just think it gives them that orbit that's very close to home. And I can imagine that that was uh, a really key detail. And just the fact that it is basically it's about raising these well-rounded kids. Uh, Parents talked about how Lambrook is affluent families who want kids to have a happy, free-range childhood, but they ultimately score places at the top schools like Eaton and Marlboro, which is where William and Kate ultimately ended up. And it's also important, it seems like, to be close to Kate's parents. And I think that that's another factor that they'll Mm -hmm. have. Like, they can share the drop-off duties. I also think maybe we should just read the book that our listener email <laughs> so helpfully pointed out that's all about Lambrook. So if you're looking for that, that was at the top of the episode. Absolutely. Well, and I thought it was interesting that uh, Lambrook has a nine-hole golf course because uh, it made me think about when William was about George's age and got accidentally hit on the head with a golf club by a student at uh, Ludgrove and <laughs> he had to go to the hospital. Diana and Charles, it was a whole to do with the tabloids because Diana stayed at the hospital. Charles didn't. He went to the opera. So anyways, George, watch out for those golf clubs. Um, <laughs> but I think what are your thoughts? Because we've had a lot of conversation also with the Omid. Um, Omid had a great op-ed for Yahoo this week about the Cambridge's transition to the countryside. This speaks with to their kind of new low-key life. What are your thoughts on that, Roberta? It makes a lot of sense, especially given that's kind of something that a lot of us have done where we've been able to kind of move out of the bigger city, or at least I have moved out of a big city and opt for something more low key. And I'm still able to go into New York whenever I want, which is really nice on the train. Um, So it, it just echoes what the pandemic kind of sped up as far as trends for where to live and raise kids and all of that. It just is a little weird to me that they're keeping 
I mean, that they have Anne-Marie ready to do that, but I feel like it's because they want to be close to the Queen and close to Windsor. And my thought is one day maybe, I mean, it's sad to think about, but the Queen will not always be here. Are they thinking about eventually moving into Windsor? Because I think that they're doing a lease on Adelaide, so it's not long-term. Yes, they're renting it, exactly. Right, And they're paying out of pocket for that. I think that's a big indicator that that won't be something they'll be, they won't be always in Adelaide. So it's fascinating. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think what Omid makes clear is that when the Cambridges moved into apartment 1A at Kensington Palace, they said it would be their forever home. And it was in 2014, 2013, and they spent a good amount of money on the renovations that was taxpayer dollars. I think it was over $5 million. Um, Now they have three homes in total. There's a major housing crisis in the UK. So it's raising a lot of eyebrows or people are commenting on it. But they are renting and paying out of pocket for Adelaide Cottage. Same with Anmer Hall. All of those renovations and anything to live there was privately paid for. And they are planning to keep apartment 1A and ultimately move into it once the kids are grown. I think the pandemic really changed this perspective for so many people. And in my opinion, I think we have to afford the Cambridges, afford being the operative word, but allow them that also flexibility to pivot and change because we all have. I mean, what you set out as intentions before the pandemic are totally different now. It's so funny, though, to see the tabloids that are usually – really in the Cambridge's corner kind of turn on them a little bit because I think that we've seen commentary from like people like Richard Kay, who Mm -hmm. has often been a big supporter, say, why do they have another home? Why Mm -hmm. why do they need this after spending so much taxpayer money to renovate not only Kensington Palace, but they also had huge renovations to Anmer Hall, which I mean, there was there's a tennis court, there's a swimming pool, there's so much stuff. The kids could go to Thomas Battersea's and still be there, all of them at once, and continue to be together. So I don't know. I don't know. As a parent, I can picture the decision trees that Kate and William made, like Matt and I did, (laughs) trying to evaluate all these. But we always talk about this. Our taxpayer dollars are not involved. So it's a different conversation, correct? We don't care where they We celebrate it all. Um, I do care. I want to see the inside of Adelaide Cottage. Yeah, I like it. I think that it's exciting. I will say I checked that they have, you know, I think it's about a 35-minute commute to get from Adelaide to London for to apartment 1A. I'm hoping that they are driving that because that is a criticism of William and Kate that comes up where William takes, you know, they take the helicopter. So hopefully they're taking a car. When they do I that, really think that they're going to one day move into Windsor. That's my call. That's my prediction. I have nothing to back it up. I just think that they're going to one day move into Windsor Castle. Yes, yes. Uh, one last thing I wanted to mention that there was this really cool sighting of Kate flying coach with the kids and Nanny Maria en route to Balmoral, which they are clearly on vacation there for the eking out the final days of summer before the first day of school. She was with Louie and Charlotte. And apparently, a, you know, people didn't really post much about it, which was very awesome. But They commented that at one point she got up to get Charlotte an iPad out of the overhead compartment. The big thing was also that William and George were not there. So that speaks to not having heirs fly altogether to preserve the line of succession. But did William and George fly together? I have questions. Yeah, I I don't get that reasoning because I feel like that would mean that George would have to be with Kate. So I'm I'm confused why I was confused. Would fly together William and George? That's or did they also fly? Like was it two different shuttles? I would think George would be with Kate. But anyways. Excited that they are headed to Balmoral. Lots of Cambridge stuff coming up. 
I, I thought it was cool too that Charlotte has like a pink tote that she brings on the airplane and she was just watching her iPad. Like it was a very normal kind of, and Kate's flight outfit, which was very chic and not at all what I look like when I fly. So props <laughs> to her for wearing a maxi Micah had heels. a great video about what to wear when you fly. I don't know if you saw that on our Instagram this week, Micah Meyer. And yes. I was like, gosh, I need to up my game. I look like the version she says not to do. So that's <laughs> Me too. kind of a shame. <laughs> All right, before we adjourn the Royal Pod, here are highs and lows. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. I really, really recommend this piece in the Daily Beast. With It's an interview with the investigator who investigated uh, Princess Diana's death. And his name is John Stevens. He is also part of that Discovery four-part series about her death. It's called Diana Investigations. But my low is just this really sad part about talking to Harry and William. He had to obviously conduct interviews with them. And his quote is, I offered to go to the royal household to see them, and they agreed to see me. I went with a woman detective, a constable inspector, to see them, and I thought she'd be coming in. But outside, it was said that they were only prepared to see me. This is obviously a young Harry and William. He says, so I went into the room, and it was only the three of us. I won't go into the details of what we discussed, other than the fact that they wanted to know what happened to their mother. It was quite emotional. I was in there between an hour and an hour and a half, and I set out for 10 minutes what the conclusions were and the reasons. And then most of the time, I was answering their questions were they sat this interviewer says were they satisfied with your conclusions yes they were but it just breaks my heart to think about oh that they were just asked drilling him with what happened wanting to know more about the death of their mother and harry at such a young age i mean both of them at such a young age 15 and 12 so it's just i can't imagine it's also the bottom line of this article is that she would be alive if she were wearing a seatbelt, and i think that's so important to kind of remind everyone of always wear your seatbelt and that was his biggest takeaway from this you know decades-long investigation Ugh, I can't believe heavy stuff next week. heavy yeah stuff. very heavy, heavy stuff my low is related to Earthshot. actually we did get confirmation that william is going to be in new york city on september 21st for new york city's climate week and he's going to be speaking at the innovation summit which is co-hosted with bloomberg who's an, a partner with Earthshot. But Bloomberg, the website, the news organization, just called out Earthshot for keeping investments at J.P. Morgan Chase, which happens to be one of the world's biggest backers of fossil fuels. Earthshot is also investing its money with another Casanova Capital Management, which has securities linked to deforestation. I think, you know, the article is very lengthy and a really great read, and it really kind of is fascinating because... It, it's not to say that William is signing off on that choice, but it really does uncover the fact that a lot of organizations and philanthropies actually don't realize that where they are keeping their funds goes against their very ethos. And that is the case with Earthshot, it sounds like. So hopefully that's rectified. This feels a little bit like BBC and them publishing the princes in the press and then them having to do the Christmas concert and deciding who they should go with. And it's like, are they going to keep Bloomberg then? Because they really did call them out and good for them for calling them out. And I think that also just shines a light. Maybe William wasn't aware and they need to rectify that. Well, but also it'll be so different in the U.S. Like it's not the same media, like even when Bloomberg True. was running for president. So that's also interesting. A lot of interesting things, Roberta. <laughs> My high quickly, I 
do not know where these screenshots came from. I just saw them quickly on my feed, but they are a Zoom call with Megan, Doria, and Archie. And I can't see Archie's face. It's blocked out. But Megan's hair, I love her curly hair so, so much. And I wish she would wear it more in public. That's my high. I think it's gorgeous. I think Doria's gorgeous. She's amazing. And this was fun to kind of see a behind-the-scenes glimpse of their Zoom calls. And then archetypes came out. And so hopefully we get more of this. What a week. But who took those photos? That's my big question. I don't get it. Uh, All right. My high is Lady Louise. I promised we'd have a mention of her at the top of the episode. She is officially starting at St. Andrews in September. Did a great job on her A-levels. I really hope that that William and Kate got her a sweatshirt. I love that she is kind of following in their footsteps and will be studying English. We also got this funny tidbit about her summer job working at a garden center, making about eight bucks an hour, greeting customers, pruning and potting plants. I think I'm just excited for Louise, Roberta. I think that's my high. I mean, I, I feel like she's about to come into her own and we're going to probably see a lot more of her. And she probably will meet her one true love, just like Will and Kate did. <laughs> Maybe, oh, maybe the not. fairy tale. Maybe not. Who knows? And it's her choice. Up to her. Archetypes. All right. Just a reminder before we close, this is a review called The Best Royal Podcast. Thank you so much. It says, a fun and frank look at the royal family. The ladies make me laugh and give me new bits of knowledge. I get to indulge my obsession in a fun, cute way. Thank you. We love, love reviews like this. Please write us in. Tell us what you love. Tell us what you don't love as long as it's five stars. And thank you to everyone who's written a review so far. Let us know what you think of archetypes and reminders to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can always keep up with the latest royal news by following at Royally Obsessed Podcast or emailing us info at gallerypodcast.com. And till next week, God, tones. God save God the pod. Her <laughs> Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.